Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. It's funny how the game changed, right? <laughs> Shit feel all different. You got niggas complaining left and right about how the game feel all fucked up. Niggas don't even talking like that since we've been sitting out the game. I think the game need us, come on. Let's uh-huh. talk to them niggas. So many nights were spent pondering, wondering how we gon' come again. My golden rule is not to focus on the fame game. In retrospect, the game ain't the same, man. The heart and soul is divided. They ramshack the music, no control up inside it now. Look at this, it's all stretched out and empty. But letting money pass me, I doubt that. And niggas from the bottom know. What's up, what's up? Good evening, good evening. Hope everyone enjoyed the Super Bowl. Hope everyone enjoyed their week. Uh, I should say I got over the Super Bowl hangover, especially if you were probably against the Patriots. More down the moment. But anyway, thank you all for joining me. This is Scott Burks from the the Clown Time Sports Blog. And this is the component, the podcast component called The Clown Hour. You can find me on uh, online at www.theclowntimes.net. That's clown spelled with K, by the way. And you're able to find me on Facebook as well. Having lots of fun at the Falcons' expense. I had to eat a lot of crow because I was showing out anti-Patriots and anti-Brady memes, but I had to <laughs> really double back <laughs> much, very reluctantly, I might add. But at any rate, just check me on Facebook. Just do a search for The Clown Times on Facebook, and you'll find me there as well. So, as I said, there's a Super Bowl hangover, and also – there's this matter about one Terrell Owens as a T.O. as, as, or as, um, what's his name? Skip Bayless on, on the speed on FS1, which is a good show, by the way, Shannon Sharp likes to call him Team Obliterator. We're going to discuss these two, those two cats. But at any rate, uh, helping me doing this tonight, y'all know I'm Mr. Dwayne Nash. Please check him out on Sleazy Radio, on Blog Talk Radio every Tuesday night, as well as the yard slash HBCU Sports. Lots of good stuff there with all things HBCU. So, my man Dwayne, are you over the hangover? Actually, no. You should know that I'm not over the hangover for uh, multiple <laughs> reasons. Well, first and foremost, uh, I was on the show last week and, and told the world that the uh, the Patriots would would beat the uh, the Falcons, and it came pretty oh, yeah. close to my score too, uh, of thirty eight, thirty three. But you know. Right. Got to have time, and just like you and the rest of the world, all kind of memes were being put out. And um, I saw something on on Twitter. Uh, yes, sir. Ne Patriots draft. He sent out a message, and it made me. Hello. Uh oh, did we lose Wayne? Yep, we lost Wayne. He's going to call back in momentarily, but. Uh... Yeah, he's probably in the best spot, but here, here he's back. So maybe someone they tried to say was so profound that you just got cut off. <laughs> you know what it is? There's probably but, somebody out here in my neighborhood who is who is still angry from Sunday and didn't want to hear me bloviate about what happened and me bragging about me being right and everything. I mean, I understand that it's tough. It's tough hearing me being right. Illuminati. Yeah, you know, well. Nah, maybe not, man. It's part of the Black Panthers, man. You know, it's just whole. Or maybe, maybe it was the women who saw me wearing my Reagan Bush T-shirt on Monday. That's a, another story for another time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, was that was pretty epic. That was pretty e- epic of you, my dad. 
So we're talking about Super Bowl, man. We're particular about it. We both picked the Patriots to win. I did so yeah. more reluctantly because no one. I figured, you know, I was like, until proven proven otherwise, if you're not Eli Manning, no one's going to be Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And the Falcons were up one time, twenty-one to three. Then later, twenty-eight to three. Yeah. And then somehow choked away a twenty-five point lead in the second half. So mm-hmm. let's just get 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 down to business. Was the matter the Patriots just fought right with? Oh, using the epic comeback to do that as well, or did the Falcons just choke it away? Um, I've been actually a, a strong proponent that it wasn't the Falcons necessarily completely choking it away. I would say it was eighty percent New England, actually eighty five percent New England, fifteen percent Atlanta, and let me explain why. I was just okay. about to say it before, um, you know, whatever hate groups decided they wanted to cut me off a couple of minutes ago. I was mm-hmm. watching Super Bowl 49 while doing the CC Sports last week, and I had a moment. It, it felt like the TV show Psych for me. Yeah. Where watching the game, it, it felt like I was about to see this again. And let me explain why I say that. Everybody remembers, of course, the fact that New England didn't run the ball at the one-yard line, and that's how they lost the Super Bowl. You ask me, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that a team that year, one of the best defenses all time, holding teams to 15 points a game, gave up 14 points in 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. That was more dynamic than than the fact of of, uh, Pete Carroll not running the ball in the one, if you ask me. That defense okay. do what they do. New England's never in a situation, and Pete Carroll's never in a situation where have to run the ball on the one-yard line. Fast forward to Sunday. Down 21-3 to three at the half. I said out loud, and I looked around at the people who I was with and a couple, couple of Aggies, and I said, 18 points, this is doable. And everybody laughed I at remember me. that. Everybody laughed at me. I even sent out a tweet. ATL don't bust that nut just yet. With all of the memes coming out and everybody <laughs> celebrating everything at the half, I'm like, don't do it just yet. And then, you know, they go up 28 to 3. And, and at that point, I started to doubt myself. But I'm thinking yeah. to myself, if they can score 14 on one of the toughest defenses of all time, they can come back on this team that gives up 25 points a game. Now, fast forward to two minutes left in the fourth quarter with Atlanta driving and in-field goal range. A lot of people scream that Shanahan should have ran the ball um, in that situation on second and third down. You know, and and in retrospect, that's something that that you should do. But if you were probably like me and probably like Mike, you probably realized that in the second half that your running game was reduced to 17 yards on 10 carries in the second half. Now, hmm. it's a possibility you don't gain any yards and you're still in field goal range. Or it's a possibility you right. run the ball and you fumble. Or it's a possibility you run the ball and you get knocked back or you run the ball and a penalty happens. Either way, there's a lot of possibilities. But the thing that you probably do in that situation is potentially run, but the run wasn't working, 
and the pass was in that drive. Now, they probably were thinking home run and score seven, and there's no doubt that if you score seven that, you know, you don't, you don't need anything else. What they probably should have done was probably run a screenplay, which was something that they didn't run a lot of, especially in the second half. But, you know, you lose Tevin mm-hmm. Coleman, who's probably supposed to be in that situation as a blocking back instead of uh, 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 Devontae Freeman, and you Freeman, don't have yeah. that blitz, and you don't have that holding call, and, and they don't get knocked back as far as they do. But, you know, running more than quarterback, you run in that situation, probably, probably not. You probably screen in that situation or short passes instead of trying to run deep and doing five-step drops and putting your, your quarterback in situations that he don't want to be in. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it's, if, if, you, if you knew that, you probably would rethink running. But I know a lot of people said that they would still run the ball in that situation. The worst they think yeah. the worst that can happen is that you just lose yardage and that you still stay in, in field goal range. I say you still probably fumble. Who knows? You never know. But it is what it is. Uh-huh. Carol Shanahan right. is probably uh, rethinking this so much so that he's not even thinking about hiring an offensive coordinator when he gets to San Francisco. But you know, uh, I, I feel bad for him in that situation because it, 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 they built they, they, they basically built. Uh, the fairy tale for the Patriots going up 21 to three in the first half and allowing yeah. one of the biggest comebacks in Super Bowl history to happen with this quarterback that a lot of people just don't like. Dude, I hate to tell you this. The Falcons should have ran the damn ball. They they lost it more than the Patriots won it. And here's why. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's just go back. Let's go back to when they were down. You mentioned earlier, but let's go back. To when the Patriots were down twenty-eight to twelve, okay. Uh-huh. Atlanta had a third. Remember that play that Matt Ryan fumbled on that blitz. It was a third mm-hmm. and one. Let me repeat: it was third down and one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here's the deal: it was like maybe how much it was like what seven minutes of change left in the game at that point. And time, and when you're up, we okay when you're up. By over double digits, on a team like the New England Patriots in a game like the Super Bowl, time mm-hmm. is your friend. Time is your best friend, okay? Because here's the deal. Let's just say, just for sake of argument, that if they were to if they would run the ball, they would have got no gain. They would stop for stop for a loss. They're punting the ball. New England exactly. not get the ball on the other on, in plus field position, if you will. With only a few plays away from scoring, or four three yards away from scoring the touchdown, I mean they would have burnt more time off the clock. You wouldn't have, you know, in that land wouldn't be in a situation to want to choke it away. And mm-hmm. it wasn't really the fact that they choked it away; it's the fact there was a series of horrendous play calling on both offense and defense. The offense is pretty simple and straightforward to me. When, okay, when when like when Atlanta got the ball back. After New England scored, they had terrible field position of 28 to 20. They had it, and Mike Ryan threw that check down to Freeman. Freeman took a what? How many? 30, 40 some yards? Mm-hmm. And then the play after that, Ryan took, like, delivers his pass, which was one of the best catches I ever seen this entire season when Julio Jones toe tapped it inbounds to put him on the 20 yard line. That was a thing of beauty. I'm thinking, let's go. 
Atlanta's yeah. going to sort this away. Even a field goal will pretty much ask the, the ball game for the Falcons because basically you'd be asking Tom Brady and the Patriots to score more than 11 points and would have been, what, three, two, three minutes? Um, mm-hmm. And even for Tom Brady, that would have been a daunting task. So, yeah. again, first down and 10 at the New England Patriots 22-yard line. What do they do first? They ran the ball. They, 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 they got stopped for a loss of two yards. Okay, no big deal. It's in field goal range. Mm-hmm. Second down, what do they do? Five they drop. Mm-hmm. Stat, nail for stat. Put them on a brink of field goal range. Mm-hmm. Third down, they draw. They they do a screen play. Finally, a screen play. Play right. They took them back. Yeah. They didn't get the first down, but they got within well within the kicker's range. Alas, holding penalty. Mm-hmm. Back, back another ten yards. Now they're not in field goal range. And, of course, instead of trying to get the yards back on the check, simple check down, maybe it was covered, I don't remember, to get at least some of the yards back, they went, you know, Matt Ryan company went, like, like went greedy and tried a, a huge chunk, 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 uh, chunk play on an out route that sailed out of bounds. They had to punt the ball. At that point, I looked at my wife. I was like, this can't be happening. <laughs> I just can't be <laughs> And after that, at that point, this is then I'm gonna turn my head, and then I'm gonna flip it on the defense in the second half, not just the final drive, not just the first drive in overtime. The second half, mm-hmm. okay. Like I know that Dan Quinn, head coach, came from New England, came from Seattle rather, and they play straight up man, okay. Mm-hmm. The two safeties deep, but they, they they had they they were they had success early in the game. Of course, the pass rushers. I thought they did a hell of a job, including that kid from Clemson. Is he a Grady Jarrett? Yeah, second year guy, Grady Jarrett. Yes, yes. And he had three sacks of Brady. But mm-hmm. we all know this is the NFL. We all know that on this in this game, a, a guy named Tom Brady is eventually going to figure you out in that offensive staff, coaching staff. Okay, so. If you keep running the same stuff over and over again, and granted, I know, I know they say if it works, keep going. But if you saw the way New England scored to get back to twenty-eight to twelve, at that point, it should have been obvious to everyone in the, like 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 in the stadium that Tom Brady and the, and the offense coach staff have figured you guys out. I figured those boys out. It should have been obvious that he was starting to figure those boys out. Mix it up, zone it up a little bit. Yeah, I know that I, I screamed last week about. Mike Tomlin and my boys playing a soft zone all game. But the difference is, is that Atlanta has pass rushers. Mm-hmm. We, my Steelers do not. So they were getting after Brady. All they had to do was, to, you know, give your defensive backs and linebackers a break, zone them up, and let your pass rushers just pin the ears back and come after them. You ain't really have to blitz them. Just stay back in coverage, play too deep, very deep. And then not not necessarily prevent, but keep everything in front of you. That makes sense. Make Brady work in the pocket. Make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Make him force into bad throws. I mean, because if you notice, they started sending out the Patriots started sending out the running backs out of the backfield. And yeah. If you, if you if you run a man defense, if you put a running back out there, who's going to be responsible for coverage? A linebacker. 
And most mm-hmm. of the time, a running back is a hell of a lot faster than a linebacker. So they were just nickel and dime those boys. And at that point, it became for the Falcons defense, pick your poison. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, who are you going to stop? And that just freed up more opportunities for Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola. You know, they didn't really need Gronk. <laughs> they they really did none of that situation. Defense. Yeah, they never changed the defense. But you know what? I mean, it's, just, and, and that's, it's just a bad, bad coach all the way around. But, but that's to their detriment as well. And I want to go ahead and, and, and thank my co-host, uh, Lou, for this uh, uh, analogy. He basically okay. compared what happened in this entire game defensively for the Atlanta Falcons to what happened with Alabama versus Clemson. Mm. Matter of fact, if, yeah. if you look at it, even offensively, it's exactly what happened. You had a run game that was working in the first half that, that now all of a sudden is not working in the second half. And your defense was on the field entirely too much. They're on the field for almost 41 minutes. And at that yeah. point, and late in the fourth quarter, it could be a combination of bad play calling and a combination of being extremely tired of being on the field at that point, 39 minutes. And you're trying to stop Tom Brady in that offense who once they got on the field and knew that they had the ball, even at the nine-yard line, they looked like they were comfortable enough and knew that they were going to drive down and, and oh, score. Oh, they were chilling. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that, that defense being extremely gassed, you're not getting that pressure no longer from, from Grady Jarrett up the gut, which means the ends are, are no longer as effective because what happens? Tom moves back up in that, that pocket. He does what Tom does. He finds your holes in your, your, your zone, and he beats you. And that's what happened with that entire drive. So, you know, that's one of the things that I didn't hear a lot of people talk about at all was the fact that that defense was on the field for a very long time. And, and when, when Lou pointed that out, like, I knew that they that that, uh, that New England won the time of possession, but I didn't think about it in terms of the defense being extremely tired in that situation. And, and them, uh, the that fatigue, <laughs> it, it, well, that, and the play call didn't help either. But at the same time, you got to realize that's the number 25 yeah. defense in the league going against the true. number one, you know, with a number three offense, but one of the top passing offenses in the league in that situation mm-hmm. where he has done it multiple times. As a matter of fact, going into that game, Tom Brady has already had 50 comebacks to win, and then you add that one at 51, which makes him, mm-hmm. I think, what, second, third all-time behind Peyton? So, yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's done it before, right. and he's rather comfortable in that situation. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Brady, do we all agree that Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time? Can we just put that debate to rest for good? I mean, I, I can't <laughs> be to say this. I'm, I'm an old-school traditionalist. I was Joe uh-huh. Montana for years and years and years because he's hoped 4-0 in the big game. He never lost the Super Bowl. But there's something to be said about playing in the league for what? What seventeen? What seventeen? Close to seventeen years, sixteen years. Make the Super Bowl seven times. Okay. Fifteen years. Five seven years. times in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And winning five of them, and the way that he won this one with yeah. non-grip pass cut catchers. Sure. I mean, I, I look. I get that Atlanta has the twenty fifth best defense, but. Tom, if you, I mean, let's be real here. It's not like Tom Brady has a plethora of weapons to be feared, maybe outside of Edelman. 
they, they lost their best weapon in, in Gronkowski early in the season, late in the season. I exactly. exactly. And they and he still got it done. Came from behind against a prolific offense led by the MVP, the NFL regular season MVP, Matt Ryan, which is very deserving that reward by uh, that award by the way. And just to do it coming back from twenty eight to three down. No one's ever seen yeah. that before in the Super Bowl. We've never seen it before. It never at all. He's the yes you do. But you know what? It's it's funny that you say that. And, of course, this, I've still heard arguments over the past couple of days. More amusing yeah. to me coming from, uh, of course, my other co-host, Coach, um, just yesterday when we were having this discussion. He is so adamant right. not to make Tom Brady his number one over all time. He still has um, the likes of Montana and Brett Favre ahead of him. And at the time Brett I wasn't Favre, thinking about – I'll get to that in just a moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> like he, he had his arguments, and at the time, um, one of my, I, I guess, one of the biggest arguments that no one or a lot of people don't like to talk about was never brought up. Yeah. But I, I found it very interesting that one of his cases was the fact that Tom Brady was not a leader in any category, in terms of any passing category. But if you look at a lot of the passing categories, he's top ten if not top five, and in most cases, if not top four. So just because he's not yeah. currently leading a passing category doesn't mean that he won't eventually do so before he retires. And if he retires, say if he retires today, he's still number mm-hmm. two in a lot of those categories. And, and categories like, what's that, uh, 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 receipt, well, passing yards, uh, uh, yeah. game-winning drives, comebacks, pass interception percentage in terms of the percentage of interceptions thrown per pass. He's second all-time, third all-time in passer rating, fourth all-time in passing touchdowns, fourth all-time in passing yards. So, I mean, he's top five in all of those categories, and your beef is that he's not number one because he's not leading in any of those categories? That's a full argument. And I love your call, but that's a stupid-ass argument. I'm sorry. Number two. He, he took him down a notch because percentage-wise, he's not the winningest uh, uh, quarterback in, in Super Bowl history. That goes to quarterbacks that have won four Super Bowls and hasn't lost any. So this yeah. is not the fact that he's been to seven. It's the fact that he's lost two. And those two hurt him and his, his, his greatness. Now, the number one thing, and like I said, no one mm-hmm. like everyone likes to – I find it funny. Everyone likes to talk about – Era change against Tom Brady, claiming that, of yeah. course, the passing game has changed so much to the benefit of QBs that sure. you got you to kind of gauge that against those QBs who have worked in that situation. And I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that you got to say about Tom Brady that, that actually hasn't hurt him, that has actually hurt others, and other mm-hmm. quarterbacks, other greats weren't even affected by it, free agency. When you're talking about another great QBs and salary caps, yes. You talk about other great QBs, there's a great receiver that you can name that is paired with that QB. You say Peyton Manning, you can come with Marvin Harrison, who's a Hall of Famer. You say Montana, you can come up with Jerry Rice, who is one of the greatest all time. You talk about uh, Brett Favre, 
you can go ahead and, and even say Sterling Sharp in his less than but Sterling in his early career that he's had other quality receivers to play alongside with him. Dan Marino yeah. had the the, the uh, uh, Duper and Clayton. So, yeah. Other with the exception of Gronk, who stays hurt, and Randy Moss for like one or two years, what else has Tom Brady had as a receiver that he yeah, can throw the ball exactly. to? Exactly. Yeah, None of them I mean, are going to be like, Hall of Famers. Julian Edelman is not going to be a Hall of Famer. And Edmondo is not going to be a Hall of Famer. Hogan Schultz no. is not going to be a Hall of Famer. The fact that Brady has done it with interchangeable parts for the entirety of his career has yes. to mean something. It has to mean a hell of a lot of something. I mean, if that's the case of a guy not losing the Super Bowl, why not put Terry Bradshaw ahead of him? We all know they're better, better, better than to do that, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, of fact, I mean, let's talk about it like this. Not just receiving core, but running backs. There's a running back, a great running back that you can attach to these QBs in their offenses. Yeah. Outside of Corey Dillon, that played with him for two years once again. Who else? Okay, LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt, but LeGarrette Blunt ain't a consistent uh, uh, 15,000. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's he not Roger Craig. He's not even a superstar. Yeah. You know, he's not Ezra James. You know, he, he's, he's, he's not any of these backs that you can go go ahead and, and, and align with some of these other great QBs as well. So right. to, to, to go ahead and have all these interchangeable parts at the skill position on the offensive side of the ball, and, and wow, even Gronk. I don't think Gronk is going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think Gronk is going to be on this team any, uh, much longer. I got a strange feeling right. that Belichick is going to be like, you know what, the trainers do a whole lot of money. He stays hurt. If he can't stay healthy for one more year, we might have to go ahead and, and, and sever ties with this dude. So if right. that happens, depending on where he goes, surprise me. that dude may – exactly, you know. And he, it's not like he ain't done it before. He's let go of great multiple times. So to say right. that he won't get rid of Gronk, you'll be fooling yourself. So yeah. all of those benefits that these other greats have had, Tom hasn't had and has thrived for the majority of his career. Yes. Yes. And can we all agree, too, that we're witnessing greatness? We're witnessing an awesome dynasty in the Patriots. Can't believe it for Austin and New England in the same sense. But nevertheless, I keep it all the way 100. Yeah. We're witnessing one of the best dynasties in the NFL history. Seven Super Bowls in 15, mm-hmm. what, 15 16 years. 17 and yeah. seven Super Bowls in 15 years. Yeah. That's amazing. That is freaking amazing. And that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick has been the uh, okay, okay, they're, they're going to hate on Bill Belichick. I know, but, I know, it's, uh, it's, it's all habit. I get it, I get it. Yeah, it's all habit. Old habits die hard, man. Can't teach your old dog new tricks. Um, <laughs> to see those two just as the common denominator to all yeah. seven Super Bowl appearances, it's just amazing to me. So let me ask you this. Is this really is, – is, are the Patriots' success due to Bill Belichick's coaching acumen or Tom Brady's greatness? That's the one or the other. Hmm. It has to be one or the other. One. Well, actually, Man. it has to be more one, than, more one than the other. Let's put it that way. All right. If, if, if I'm going to say more one than the other, I'm going to go ahead and lean on um, Belichick's coaching acumen. And the reason why I say this, mm. and this is the thing that everybody always goes to, is look at his records without Tom Brady. 
He's still rather successful yeah. with the likes of uh, Matt Castle, and even this year, yeah. early this year, the first four games going job. three and one. You know, that was a fantastic coaching job. Now, does he win? Seven, does he make seven Super Bowl appearances without Tom Brady? No. Does he win Super Bowls without Tom Brady? Maybe. No, but he's not winning no. five, and he, and he's not making the seven. He may win two. Right. But, you know, it, 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 and that would really be a job, depending on what QB he has in that situation. But yeah. I, I lean more towards Belichick in that situation than I do with um, with, with Tom Brady. Well, Even I though Tom Brady is a, is a fantastic QB. He's more than fantastic. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest QB of all time. Um, <laughs> he just that with the Super Bowl win. Um, to me... I I was I tend to side more on Brady, except you, you touched something very very important about Belichick. It's the culture he established. Mm-hmm. It's the culture. It's the kind of culture of accountability. Do your job. That's a mantra. Do your job. Something exactly. That, something that Devonta Freeman didn't do when he failed to pick up that few free blitz that caused a fumble, or Matt Ryan early in the game. You know stuff like that. Do your job. And I go back to Belichick's first two years in New England, first year and a half. You know, they, he came off a 5-11 first season, season there. People were calling for his head midway through the second, or early in the second season when Drew Bledsoe, before Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying that if it wasn't for Tom Brady coming in, albeit a second year, I think he was a second year player at the time, maybe a third year player. He was. So he was second year. Year. And, and saving his high, won the Super Bowl that year. Who knows where how the story would would have ended for both Brady and uh, Belichick, but nevertheless, it's a combination of the two. To me, I think I don't think Belichick wins five Super Bowl goes to five Super Bowls, let alone go, like going to seven, reaches seven uh, without Brady. I don't I don't believe mm-hmm. that for a second. You know what I'm saying? But it's something to be said about establishing a culture, the way that. Belichick coaches Brady hard and having Brady become the hardest, be the hardest worker. I mean, when the man on your squad is the hardest worker, that makes life a lot easier for any head coach. Exactly. I can't worry that. And so, to me, I'm just going to go back to it. I think it's a more Brady. I mean, sure, Belichick has something that has a lot to do with it. Again, it's, it's the, his accountability his, of a winning culture. Um, you know, learn how to know how to pick players out and it to be and so interchangeable and creative with player personnel. But man, you gotta give up for Brady, man. I mean, to see how the the way Brady won it this year again with a nondescript receivers. Yeah, he did it with again. I know Julian Edelman is a stud, but he did it with the likes of Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan. And 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 Martellus Bennett. That that's how. And, he did and it. Martellus Bennett. Make sure we we repeat that. And Martellus Bennett. And then Martellus Bennett. Exactly. Yes. That that's the uh, you know that's what that's what we made the Super Bowl run with. Those three cats. That's and James match. White. And James and, White. That's right. James White and Malcolm Mitchell. That that, that rookie from Georgia. Um, that's who we did it with. That's who we did it with. And I'm sorry, man. That's why I said, that's why I was saying the victory in the Super Bowl, that's the minute for me. That did it for me as Tom Brady being the, the best 
QB of all time. I mean, you can't deny that. Yeah. No one can, in my opinion. Even no matter how much well, you hate the Patriots, despise Tom Brady, you can't deny his greatness. You just can't there are a lot of people that are trying. There are a lot of people that are trying. And the, the, the reasoning and the excuses for me are, are entertaining the more and more I hear them. You know, so yeah, it is what it is at this point. You know, you know, and 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 I understand that everyone's opinion and everyone's outlook on on things are going to be different. But when you start making up things and coming up with adjustments to 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 attempt to you know belittle a a player just because you don't like them, come on, man, just stop it, stop it. Now, if you can come up straight up and, and 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 make sure that your argument. It's straight up and down with everyone that you're comparing, and in your eyes, he's still not number one. Okay, I give it to you, but don't 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 do mm-hmm. this whole shifting. Of another good one I heard was compare Tom Brady in his first seven years to Aaron Rodgers in his first seven years. Don't do that. Because yeah. Tom Brady, Tom right. Brady's game was different then. We understand right. that. We knew that he was winning games off of the defense and the running game and off of special teams from Adam Vinatieri. We knew that that's how they were winning games. But as he grew, as he kept being groomed in the safety of that defensive run game, he got better and became the player that we see right now. So don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So going, so we'll we're, we're just deal from this and, and, and cover what happened before the Super Bowl. And that's the inductees to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 2017. Oh, yeah. It's great to see Terrell Davis, Terrell Davis, Terrell Davis, rather, get his due. I've been saying this for years and years and years. His seven years in Denver before he wrecked his knees, he would have been the month, the month, the best running backs of all time. I've been saying that for a long time. And it's great to see him finally get his shine. It would work for him. John Elway wouldn't won that first Super Bowl. That was agreed. Awesome. That was awesome. agreed. And Kurt Warner is another dude I'm so happy to see in the, in the Pro Football yes. thing. Yes. I mean, yeah, people say yeah, but he bounced around his last few years in the league before. So but what? Look, he led exactly. He led the St. Louis Rams and Arizona Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Let me repeat dude, that. Led the let me... Arizona Cardinals to the Super Bowl. It came within a few seconds of winning it. Hey, Scott, go give Time Machine, go back to 17-year-old me and say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the St. Louis Rams, and the Arizona Mm -hmm. Cardinals are not only going to go to a Super Bowl, they're going to win it. I'm laughing at you in your face. I'm laughing at you in your face. And to say that Kurt Warner was the reason that two of those teams went to a Super Bowl is even more dynamic. Yeah, a former Stockport who played in the Arena League and the uh, and, and, and the and, and the European League of the NFL, like NFL Europe. I yeah. mean, he played. Yeah, yeah, and he also played. Story. Exactly. Amazing exactly. story. I mean, just awesome story. And not only that, before Brady did his thing Sunday, Kurt Warner held Super Bowl records and passing, both yeah. in winning and losing efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just. I mean, he led the he led the the Rams to two Super Bowls, two or three years. Yeah, 
He led the Rams franchise to two Super Bowls in three years and won one of them. How amazing is that? And, the, and he took the fact, again. Crazy. And he's he never going to do it until this year. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, Trent Warner and Tom Brady's paths were rather similar, seeing as though that they came in for, for QBs that were hurt and no one gave them a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And when they started to win, no one believed it until they got to the Super Bowl and then won there, and people were amazed in those situations. But, yeah, especially the, the, the Kurt Warner situation, I remember that mm-hmm. one vividly because, of course, Trent Green, being a former skin going into the Rams, was a little right. disappointed in that. Then he gets hurt, and everyone's scrambling, what do we do? And Dick Vermeil's crying in, in, the, in the press conference. One of the many times he's crying, you know, I'm not going to – uh, uh, get on them for crying because I cry. So what? Sure. I cry too. Last time I cried was watching St. Vincent uh, starring Bill Murray. But Trump yeah. can say something in my face about me crying about that. Let's see what happens. But like I was saying, this woman was crying, you know, positive uh, affirmations about the team and, and how much he believed in Kurt Warner, a guy that no one knew and, and, and no one believed in, and people scoffed at him. And they went, mm-hmm. what, 13-3 to that year? And yes. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's the thing. And you know what's, what's more amazing though is Terrell is missing the cut yet again. No, he's there. Yeah. He didn't make the. He didn't make the final ten, which I thought was the but, most egregious thing in the world. So my thing is, what is up with the voters, man? I mean, if it's all about on the field, why are you going to hold some petty crap against them? I mean, Terrell Owens retired second in most receiving categories. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me there were like three or four receivers better than Terrell Owens. You can't tell me that. You know what? Other than maybe the GOAT. It's it's already weird, right? Because if you think about it, there are only four receivers that have gotten their first ballot into the Hall of Fame. Jerry Rice, Steve Largent. Paul yep. Warfield and help me out with the yep. fourth one, bro. Lance Allworth. Lance Allworth. Lance Allworth. Yeah. Everyone else has been made to wait. Some yeah. of them, especially Art Monk, egregiously having to wait. Yes, that you was, know, that and, 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 and I don't want to even get into the whole uh, Joe Jacoby not getting in again. That's another conversation in itself. But he yeah. not getting in is laughable. Now. Um, once again, we, we kind of talked about it during the show yesterday about the uh, the committee, the voting committee, and the whole process. Forty-eight voters, mm-hmm. which of course is a a voter or a writer from each city with a team. Right. Two for New right. York, of course, for you know, writer for each team. Then, right. of course, you have the uh, the at-large guys, and then you have the two uh, Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Out of those forty-eight voters. You have to get 80%. That means somewhere between 38 to 40 voters to vote for you in order right. to get in. Now, mm-hmm. if he didn't make the top 10, that's something I didn't know about. You just said that. You're trying to tell yeah, me that at least 10. there's 38 people who didn't believe that T.O. was a Hall of Famer? Are you kidding me? Are you yeah. kidding me? Now, unlike you – go ahead. No, no, no. I, no I'll let you finish your thought and I'm going to chime in with something that's deep. Okay, I was going to say this. Unlike you, I didn't think that Terrell Davis 
deserve to get in yet. But I read an article. This writer made a fantastic point. Would you rather have seven years of Guns N' Roses in their prime or ten years of Oasis? You know, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like November Rain and I love Welcome to the Jungle and uh, Sweet Child yeah. of Mine. You know, if I could have that Guns N' Roses, I, I, I guess I could go ahead and have Terrell Davis. But I was also disappointed in the fact that uh, uh, Jason Taylor got in. Really? And surprised that yes, I, yes, the first ballot, yes, I, I was a little shocked by that, and also surprised by Morton Anderson. I thought Mort could have waited; he's deserving. But I thought he could have waited, yeah. and I thought Teal should have gotten in ahead of, of at least those two, if not Terrell. Mm-hmm. But the other guys, I, 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 I agreed with and have no qualms with whatsoever. And also, I'm slightly shocked that Pete Rosell didn't get in too. But that's another story for another day. Yeah, but Tio, that's unfortunate too. You know, T.O. being held behind Jason Taylor, Morton Anderson, and, and Terrell Davis was, was shocking to me, and especially with his numbers that he's put up. They keep saying he's a locker room cancer. Yeah. I don't get it past, it like past Dallas. Hours. Actually, I don't get it past Philly. Like, okay, we, we saw what happened in San Francisco. We saw what mm-hmm. happened in, in, in Philly. They said he was giving problems in Dallas. I don't remember it. I remember him in the suicide thing. Now, that may have been a distraction, but I don't think that, that was something that, that would have tore the locker room apart. See, Shore wasn't mm-hmm. the cancer in, in, in uh, Buffalo, and I forgot he played for Buffalo. And I, he sure as hell wasn't the cancer when he played in Cincinnati. And still right. should have kept playing after that because he had a 10-touchdown, 1,000-yard receiving year. And I'm still like, right. how does he not get a job the next year? It's insane to me. But for whatever reason, yeah. I don't get it. Who has he made mad that he's not going to get in? I, I, I really want to know who said that, no, T.O.'s not getting in. I really want to know out of those writers. Who well, said check so. this out. This is why I was going to drop this on you earlier. Okay. So guess who's on the whole ballot? Who's, guess who's on the ballot next year? Randy Randy Mouse. Yes, sir. The same Randy Moss who said, once upon a time, I play when I want to play. What yes. are you going to do about him? What are you going to do about <laughs> him? To me, he's a Hall of Famer. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. He should yeah. get it on the first damn ballot. But I want to see what they're going to do about Randy Moss because they're giving T.O. this treatment. That's what I want to see. That's, that's what I yeah. want to see unfold. Now, it'll be interesting if they take both T.O. and Randy next year. But oh, I doubt that they take both. I doubt right. that they take both. Now, if you're talking about off-the-field transgressions or, or, or potentially being a cancer, Randy yeah. Moss and his off-the-field antics, straight cash homie, yeah. and, and also, like you said, on-the-field cancer potentially of I play well, one, two. Yeah. Oh, bruh. But at the same time, yeah. numbers that you can't deny. From Randy Moss you as well. So, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You want to make him wait too? That's what, that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to make him wait too. This, this whole, what is what is making them wait do? And other than boost your ego, that no one else yeah. knows that your ego is being boosted because we don't know if, who's holding him out. So you're the one walking around all big time in your own mind, thinking to yourself, I'm the guy that's holding these guys out. For making it to the to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that's how narcissistic is that? That's, that's 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 stupid. And 
you know what, man? It's 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 mainly seeing what what what's going to happen. But I will keep an eye on that. We're all going to keep an eye on that next year. Again, exactly. Both T.O. and Randy Moss should be Hall of Famers. They both should be first ballot Hall of Famers. The numbers that you can't deny the numbers. Exactly. But again, I want to see. I want to see how they're going to do it because if they keep Randy Moss out for a while, the the whole process would have lost their credibility altogether. I appreciate you joining me, man. We're going to hard. Oh, thanks week, for man. having me. You too. All right, peace out. That's hey. my man, Dwayne Nash. Please check him out on Sleazy uh, Radio on, on every Tuesday night on Blog Talk Radio, as well as his sports blog, DR slash HBCU Sports. This is Scott Burke signing off. Oh, six, y'all. Good evening and good night. <laughs>